Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. product managers are made through various experiences i have believed that and experienced it throughout my career i've often faced questions like what makes a good product manager how do we write a job description for one and there's no perfect answer to these to me the role is a tapestry of experiences that strikes synthesizes and balances between needs and wants product strategy company growth customer experience managing expectations and more so listen to our guest this week seema joshi head of products at nice a poet civil engineer volunteer state volleyball player talking about choices decisions her career as a product manager how she uses a sports analogy to illustrate teamwork iteration and mindset as always our guest also shares her tips for a career in product management or technology for aspirants listen on Hello Seema a very warm welcome to you on the software people stories podcast it's a pleasure to have you with us here Hey Chitra thanks for having me uh, pleasure is all mine uh, it's a great initiative that you guys are on uh, so lovely to hear about these stories uh, it's an honor to be talking to you and you know catching up uh, thanks for having me you're welcome Seema and the pleasure is all ours i'm really looking forward to this conversation today so we usually start by asking our guests to introduce themselves to our listeners how would you like to do that it's always a hard one uh, honestly i think as you go with time there are so many dimensions to it but i'll perhaps uh, you know start with the software uh, part of the people side of the stories i'm currently um, the director of product management uh, at nice uh, we make uh, software products uh, for customer experience in the contact center i've been in the industry now for about 20 odd years uh, mostly building products and building teams that build products outside of that i like to volunteer and give it back to the community uh, so you'll find me volunteering whenever i can and i have a chance to contribute uh, for different forums mostly around product diversity is another topic close to heart and beneath that i think a little bit on the inside there is a little bit of a sports person and a poet that's a little bit of me um, chitra thank you seema no wonder you said dimensions i can already see so many of them and looking forward to what all comes out in the course of this conversation Where did the interest in technology begin? How did you get to choosing technology as your uh, destination of choice? It's it's interesting, and you know, I'll kind of go back to this. And you know, for some of us who were back then, sounds old now. I'm I'm actually a civil engineer. I did my engineering from uh, COEP in Pune. Got placed in campus. Uh, I was actually working with a structural consultant. And um, while I always felt during my college days that you know I was more you know a site person than than a design or an office person. Sometimes, as destiny would have it, I was doing stuff more on the design than I was on the site. But I loved it. I I think a lot of foundational. since kind of went there but while i was it in the initial year or so i think i was also thinking to myself uh, while while i liked what i did i think i like technology but i am not really geeky if you know what i mean i think i still love to be with people and in between problems and which is when i was making a choice when it came to further studies should it be an msm tech type of a route or is it more of an mba path and i think i landed with the latter and in that course of the journey 
uh, I actually picked my first role in technology with a company called Egan Communications. It was a customer-facing role. And I thought while I was doing this, it would be good to see what customers do and uh, get to learn that part a little bit. So th- that's how I really, you know, got started, said no to a few things. And I said yes to something. And that's where the exploration started. Interesting, Seema. I have two questions and I'll start with the first one. How sure. did this transition from a site person to a design person from a civil engineer to a person in technology and software take place? It, it's quite a journey, actually, when I look back and I think of it, uh, it's it's been an interesting ride. So when I joined Egan and I took up my first role in a technology company, I honestly didn't know a whole lot. In fact, at that point, I think a lot of folks were, I mean, I had two choices. Um, I passed in the batch of 99, uh, which is when a lot of Y2K hiring was happening left, right, center. So there were all kinds of developer jobs, programming jobs that were open. And while I did a little bit of it, I really didn't enjoy it at heart so much. So I said, no, this is not what I'm going to do. Uh, I think that's that's where I can. And I made a promise to myself, unless I fail in doing things at least three times, I won't do it for a living. And thankfully, that day has not come. Uh, so I really somewhere secretly feel good about it. <laughs> so when I was at Egan, I think uh, the choice of the next best choice for me really was, you know, let's get closer to customers. And this role that I had... Uh, really gave me a very good opportunity to do that. Uh, The first few years I spent in uh, technical account management and sales roles. Uh, Like most companies, our primary markets were in the US and Europe. Uh, We were looking to expand in Australia, Middle East, Southeast Asia, India, and uh, the Middle East. Like it happens again in most sales jobs, you first need revenue before you can start making investments. So we were really a small team that were kind of put out there. And right from doing our demos to making our cold calls to you know putting on the jacket and going in for meetings working with our leaders to close deals and really seeing it through till things went live we were really just thrown into the ocean and i think it has been one of the most uh, key points of my career where i really got to see how customers make buying decisions uh, how there are multiple aspects that go into making a choice Uh, there are different influencers there are different buyers there are different users Uh, at the same time You don't deal with just one or few prospects at the same time. From an offering perspective, you need to be relevant to a larger chunk out there. You really don't have an opportunity to tailor it to the T, if you know what I mean. And all this in a life where uh, in sales, it's really about zero and one. Uh, So you become really, you know, you win a deal or you lose a deal and you can't have an in-between in terms of, you know, change of scope or let's do it differently or let's do a first version. I mean, you, you just get it or you lose it, I think it also makes you result-oriented in a very different way. I think a lot of the empathy for how customers buy, why they buy, and uh, the focus on really solving real problems, uh, because that's when someone uh, is willing to put money on the table, I think are lessons that stick with me even today. I mean, I put different hats on on different days, and when I'm looking through a proposal even today, I tend to you know put that on saying, hey, this looks exciting for us, but is it going to be the same? So I think that's how it. I kind of started getting more the approach was more market first and then i later was had an opportunity to get into a product management role uh, this was like more than 15 years ago not many people did it and for me it was where in in any enterprise sales you can do two or three big deals at any given point in time here i had an opportunity to bring all the learnings that i had bring those contributions back into building something for the market and hence i've since stayed in this you know combination of Let's look at problems. What can technology do? And we have people to make that happen. And, you know, somewhere in that equation, 
again in different roles either in a more, more pure play product management hat in some cases it has been innovation centric i also ran a social impact startup at uh, a certain point in time uh, but really you know that's where from a civil engineer being on the site getting to people looking at the market and really you know trying to build something that can create value uh, for business and for users uh, and that journey kind of uh, started on and is still on and i still find that triangulation as a good place of challenge and an opportunity both nice seema one of the things that you know you just said there's there's so much going on at any given point in your life i can imagine maybe someday you'll write a book a day in the life of seema as a product manager and uh, i can only imagine how rich that book will be with all your stories from your early days of stepping in to understanding technology enough to stand in front of customers and listen to their problems and perhaps craft the right solutions for them and close that deal what stands out to you in the form of let's say one or two stories or examples that you can share with us where you were able to either provide the right solution like you said you know a deal is either a zero or a one you know, so what i was looking for was for two examples one of each kind uh, of a zero and a yep. one yeah no certainly and maybe i'll start with a zero first and uh, that's what sometimes happens in the excitement of uh, when you're in a sales situation and you're talking to a client so here we were talking to a client uh, and coincidentally i was in the same domain back then this was when there was a lot of typical voice typical interactions of businesses with consumers were mostly over the phone ivr was a big thing uh, email chat websites e-commerce in whatever little shape and form mostly for you know retail uh, was what was uh, happening back then uh, people were looking for a number of different types of solutions and uh, chat was really you know beginning to pick up a lot of websites did want to put that out as a primary way to be able to interact with customers and that was all great and we decided to build a solution that could take it to the next level and help them also collaborate with the customer in uh, real time for a few critical things now this was a great vision and when we spoke about it to our customers or prospects they all liked the idea of being able to handhold a customer online because it was a big thing back then and today most users are digitally native uh, at that time that was not the case so really you know driving user behavior to go them to a digital channel and then actually complete something that had a financial value or that was a key submission uh, be it a purchase or a form submission or any of or a renewal there, there was hesitation in doing that so we we were super excited about this vision that we had and we pitched the vision uh, our clients of course liked it and in a, in one particular case it you know doubled down really quickly now this is when i think my first learning kind of came through right you have a vision and you have a path to the vision which becomes in the form of a road map and a road map comes at a certain time now i was in this conversation we were all set in the right direction the client needed something which was not coming until you know 18 months or so and while we were our confidence level on that deal was at 90% because current requirements strong alignment future vision good alignment a lot of ticks that you would do in a typical sales situation were all looking good but the big bummer was the big bet that we were playing uh, was actually only going to come up to 18 months so we were not going to be in a situation to close the deal yet and also i think my learnings about uh, you know revenue recognition nuances which are very important eventually to when you you close a deal and when a payment happens and it hits your hits your bank account but you can only recognize it after you've delivered the software so even if the deal had been made we would have been able to recognize that revenue only when the feature was would have gone live so it put us in a situation where 
either we could prepone the feature or we had to wait for for such a time so i think in in that lens it was really a little bit of a bummer thing uh, and i learned some very important lessons and i think i was able to take those back on in my role of building products and in products it's all about choices and it's all about prioritization and choosing one versus other for some very good reasons i think that was that was a little bit of a you know bummer and in terms of you know the other example interesting story again uh, here we were working with a semiconductor company they had global offices they had in fact procured our software for their sales offices in the us and they were looking to expand the same for their support and service teams or organization it was it was actually a different entity altogether in southeast asia both buyers were different the use scenarios were different because one was more sales the other was more support and services i think that that was an entire lesson for me on having global stakeholders how regionally people have different ways to look at things and to evaluate things even if it was the same product and the same problem that we were trying to address for the client but the way we had to do it was completely different and i remember we worked very very closely with this particular client over you know multiple months we were very close to aligning with their senior leadership right up to their global ceo and they had a couple of new stakeholders who came on on the project and they looked at a few things and they actually said uh, that they wanted to add a few dimensions and that totally threw off the entire evaluation so far so actually i i remember going into meeting and you know telling the customer that hey look if we if you think that you really need these three dimensions which are so different than what we've been talking about i think we are not a good choice uh, and we should perhaps uh, uh, you know call this off uh, and there was a deep silence in the room for about a couple of minutes and i think that that actually that pause like uh, we would otherwise think to about in life gave them an opportunity and us an opportunity to just reassess and see what was important of course next morning we got a call from their leader saying hey we've relooked at everything and we really think you know what we had identified initially is what we want to do uh, we were able to double down and close that one uh, much sooner than we had anticipated interesting stories where on one side things were looking really rosy you know it didn't and on the other side where it looked like it could have gone off track um, you know just staying on topic helped us uh, do the best thing for for the client and for for us at that time an interesting contrast and no wonder it's a, uh, it's become some water for tagline for you the zeros and ones so coming to a question here that you just mentioned you know the life of a product manager is in the realm of choices and prioritization what do you use you know when you have to make the right choices or make choices right or wrong is a consequence of yeah. decision making and what have you learned over the years in terms of what works while trying to prioritize a backlog or a list of requirements no certainly and i think this is something and i've kind of and i think i consider myself lucky i've had a chance to work with you know organizations and teams of different sizes and that had access to different investment dollars and if there's one thing that's common you know it doesn't matter if you're you're google or a microsoft or a startup or you know a vc funded uh, entity there'll still be finite investment to the ambition that you have the ambition is always going to be much larger than your investment outlook i think that that is perhaps you know something that goes without saying the thing that i found that you know really works is actually some of the basic things maybe we'll start with where where the trouble starts with right and we've become a crop uh, where 
there is so much that's happening all the time and we have got used to react to different things and respond to asks that come from us and we're all anyway pulled in many dimensions and sometimes those are rightful and sometimes they are not and it goes back to you know what's urgent and important and really being able to look at all of that now when you're when you're building a product and i think which is where a little bit of you know a product dna and a service dna sometimes becomes important uh, doing the right thing for your customer is often the reason why 100 requirements can get pushed now these may be coming from you know 70 similar customers or unique customers you may have 10 or 20 who may be coming from execs or from folks who are on the field some of it may be coming purely from you know what is your ambition on the new big thing that you want to build and really you know do that big leapfrog uh, ahead of the competition and some may be just you know pure competitive things you want to do because your competition is also competing with the same rigor on a daily basis now how do you really make sense in all of this while there is a lot of activity which happens bottom up i think prioritization is best done when it's top down so being able to really look at uh, what is our priority and what is it that we as business really want to go create an impact for and how does that translate into my product strategy and product vision i think an important thing that i learned at at my stint in the startup was um, you can't sell what you can't build and you can't build what you can't sell so really you know being able to look at your target market on where you really going to take and create an impact right now and how are they going to consume it and when we say consume right from a, how a buyer is going to discover explore buy to a user being able to try install use retire that entire life cycle so i think it really is what is the alignment with our strategy what's the alignment with how a buyer is going to you know really going to procure this what's the alignment with the journey our user is going to have and in that journey what problem are we really going to solve i think being really close to and i like to use a 3p type of a formula who is the persona what's the problem and how pervasive is it and if you get a good answer for this you know this is a good candidate for you to consider in your backlog of 100 now there may be many that go through and i think in the many that go through trying to find uh, a, a mix of some of those that can really be delighters and i like to borrow from the kano model sometimes they look at things as either those which create delight which translates into a very definite way of perceiving and interpreting value some may be business as usual you need to do it and the others are going to be dissatisfactors the like the lack of which is actually going to come back and hurt you or is already hurting you i think when you when you break it into buckets like that it's much easier then you know that you you certainly don't want anything that is a big dissatisfier or a turn off you want to create some delighters and everything else is going to be in motion you will always be you know at a 18 20 and there will be some catch up you or your competitors are doing i think if you were able to do a good job at the other two uh, the rest of it will will tend to fall in place good tip seema i'm sure a lot of our listeners who are product managers or intending to take up product management as a career we hope you're tuning in because these are you know nuggets from somebody who is uh, living this life day in and day out so thank you for that i'd like to shift tack here a little bit seema towards building teams you said you have had a lot of experience building product teams what is it in your experience that has taught you about uh, building the right teams to build great products and or um, what is it that brings people together because a lot of product management is about like you said talking to different stakeholders different stakeholders see the problem differently 
for yeah. example, and you've worn so many hats in your career. You know, as a salesperson, it was important for you uh, to close the deal. As somebody who is a product manager, the customer experience, the value, the perception of it, plus, you know, working with engineering teams to make sure that you're conveying the right requirements, prioritizing them, and building the right product. How does all this play into building a great product team? It's actually a loaded job and it's not easy to be honest uh, because there are multiple dimensions. And I'm going to perhaps, you know, look at this in two parts, uh, Chitra. One is just building product managers and a team of product managers, right? But product teams are, I mean, eventually much larger because you are working so closely. I mean, it is a full-time cross-functional job. And I think for product management as a role itself is a little niche. It's not like a lot of other roles. Uh, it's it's a role that requires someone to have a lot of ownership without, so you're accountable without a lot of authority. That's the kind of a role that it is. Often folks in product management or, you know, at least two good amount of their career stages, their individual contributors, and sometimes they have like very high impact roles, but they may still be, be an uh, individual contributor, but you are on a daily basis, influencing a lot of people around you, like you said, right? So I think from a competency perspective for an individual as well as for a team, uh, there are two aspects which are quite key. And I like to think of it often in the lens of the iceberg model of competency. One is on the top, which is often, you know, your skills and competencies, which are very learnable. Now, these could be things like the domain that you operate in, the technology stack that you use, uh, the regions that you have your client base in, different regulations that you may have, uh, which need to be adhered to and so on and so forth. All learnable stuff. So and the second part is really, you know, below the iceberg and the below the iceberg, it's really about a lot of values and triads. And this is, this is, you know, the less apparent part. Now, when it comes to a product, uh, the decision making is in, in, in a landscape which is very ambiguous because you're figuring out what to do. You're figuring out where you're going to go sell. You're figuring out what your competition is going to look like. And it helps to be data driven, but often being cognizant of the fact that data will be insufficient and it may be inaccurate. You need to make a lot of decisions. So I think you really need a gut where you don't feel the discomfort operating in a world that's ambiguous. You are going to have to try out a few things. You will need to make some decisions. You will need to say yes and no when there is no clear path that's available. And most people in the room will be looking at you to be the one who is, you know, putting your proposal on the table. All of this in such a way, which moves us to the second part of what you asked is, you know, how do you really build this with teams? Uh, because you need to do this in such a way that you you are building the confidence of your sales teams, you're building the confidence of your engineering teams, of your support teams, and so on, and, and your executive team, of course. Now, I think the big, the big skill that comes in or kicks in here really is, you know, how are you able to create partnerships of trust and collaboration? Are you really able to look at the same situation in such a way that they are able to internalize it? in the lens that is apparent to them. That's a big job, I think, where you need to be able to do this individually. And honestly, I mean, I think there's a lot of, over the last 15 years now, I think there's a lot of interest and conversation about product management, uh, but it helps for people to know, you know, what the role is and really see if that's something that you enjoy. And if you do, you should totally, you know, jump and take the ride. I think you will, you will enjoy it. And expanding this to teams, uh, really, you know, I mean, you end up building a team of really strong individuals who are able to look at this for their respective areas that they are driving, but at the same time also collaborate in such a way that it's like 
you have to take the village with you and you're taking many villages with you to the big destination while really building that team you are trying to create a talent strategy where you know that you know you're really good where you're able to look at where are we going from here are we executing at the pace at which we should at the cost at which we should and in the way that we should i think all these uh, aspects become extremely critical when when you grow and explore that and that to you know larger teams just beyond to product and beyond product thanks seema that was very very interesting the one thing that you mentioned several times in the course of this conversation was the ability to stay in the problem space how did you begin to get comfortable just staying with the problem and exploring more versus typical engineering mindset is one of you know can i jump in and propose this solution or you know get the customer to look at what i have to say okay this is how we can fix it and so on and so forth so how do you get comfortable with staying with the problem space yeah i know and that's a hard one i mean and for me sometimes you know and especially early in my career it was uh, like a double whammy on one side you know it's that engineering itch where you want to jump to the solution because it really looks good to be the one who says hey look i have the answer on the second side you know spend some time in sales and you know it was like yeah i exactly know what this customer wants right now can we just do it that way now and i think it was certainly a symptom which came up more often earlier in the career but you know being able to navigate that and a couple of things which have really helped this i'm a big big proponent of looking at anything actually for that matter from from a journey perspective i think it's very important to be able to take a step back and uh, really look at the entire landscape as a journey you know I, i'm going to take a step back and you know let's like take a look at how we design organizations and how we operate you have departments dedicated for sales marketing r&d product support services and what not and now everyone in their good intent and into the best of their capacity and interest are doing the best job every single day to make this happen but we are all living in silos and we are all living uh, and working off of our view of how it needs to be and when you are trying to build something for the market it becomes even more tricky because you're trying to it's like this n is equal to 1 and n is equal to many when you're doing it for one customer and you know services business it's relatively easy because their really success is about creating the most tailored experience that you possibly can for what the customer has a need for and uh, you go ahead and achieve that or in fact exceed that and that's like a fantastic job done now come to the product world you are intending to do the same thing for a market and here it's not about one customer but it's about many and then you have to find of what kind are those which is really you know where it goes back to what which target market am i trying to go after and i've seen when you change this conversation on this is how my customer is going to explore it and this is how we are they are going to try and purchase it and onboard it and use it and what not and then flip back and look at how is it that we as a company operate i've seen that it really helps you you know see are are we doing the right things of course not you won't be always able to do everything but it helps you make the right choices uh, in picking those up in the same way when you extend it to uh you know which are the problems that are worth solving even if you go back to just the feature part of what they're doing it's really about who is my persona what are they trying to do and how frequently are they trying to do start talking the language of a journey it just changes the whole thing from hey this is possible it's like almost um getting into a solution centric way saying i can use ai to be able to predict the next meeting time uh, and maybe that meeting time is be- between chitra and seema and then you know we may just take a step back and say hey chitra has been ho- hosting a lot of podcasts and 
she does it once every x interval and she needs so much time looking at her calendar looks like this is the best time to do it now we could have done the whole fancy ai way of doing it and maybe that would be right but maybe it's not unlocking maximum value for chitra and bummer we are caught with you know a solution first versus how do we stay there till we've spoken enough to chitra till we've learned about her life till we've learned about what does day in the life day 0 day 100 day 300 and what are the special events and i think that gives you a good sense of moving from unknown to known uh, of what you're trying to solve nice seema i think these are this is something that i personally heard uh, very few people talk about with a great degree of experience and comfort if you will uh, but i think this is so important for people to be able to be comfortable by staying in in the problem space uh, to develop great product you have mentioned that having a sports mindset is something that has helped you in your career and particularly in your role as a product manager how has that come about on a lighter note you know if someone were to ask me can you tell tell me one thing that you've done right i think my answer would be sports i think if there's one thing that i've done right in life is perhaps having been a sports person i think there are a lot of a lot of who i am and how i go about things i i attribute a lot to uh, my early days um, i played sports for my school and later for the state uh, for a good amount of for most of the schooling days i think as much as i was in the class i was also in the sports ground and multiple lessons i think that came from there uh, i think one um, kind of borrowing from that uh, to a product manager product manager's life right and i'll perhaps talk about uh, my first service i mean in a volleyball court uh, it's a uh, 9 by 18 meters court and the net is at a certain height i was in class 5 when i started playing i was really you know frail and tiny we used to try to hit a service across the net my service would barely go even till not even the 6 6 meter line for a few weeks and then it went to the 6 meter line and then it went to the 9 meter line still just at the line then one day it hit the net from below and finally after i think 3 months or so it tipped over on the other side just feebly and i think i was i was full of joy but when i look back i don't think in any of that time i was bogged down with the fact that hey the service has not gone through or i was getting worked up i just did what was needed to be done on that day was to take the ball give it my best shot and iteratively i was improving and i think that's what we do with the product you take something you give it your best shot you see where it's landing and then you iteratively make it grow of course i continued to play for a, for a long time after that and i got good with the game and then i was at a stage very soon with enough practice and coaching that i could exactly hit the service where it needed to be not too far not too close not too fast or if it needed to be really fast i mean i could land it where it needed to land i think that's what it is in the product world to you you have an ambition but at the same time you execute one shot at a time uh, i think when you do it like that it removes a lot of panic it removes a lot of risk in the process uh, but it still keeps you oriented on where you think you are going to have the maximum uh, bang for the buck i can definitely resonate with that seema having been a basketball player myself thank you so much for sharing that example I think sports has always been a good example for a lot of things and for people to comprehend even if you're not a sports person you definitely Absolutely. watch sports and uh, more importantly I would say even team sport 
Absolutely. And in fact, you know, I mean, if you just extend it to that, I think if there, there are any, you know, one or two key things, uh, well, again, there are so many, I think the camaraderie that you build, you, you always play as one unit, it doesn't matter what you individually are good at. Now, of course, you know, we each sports person has some skills, which are better than some of the others. But eventually on game day, it's about how we as a team can bring the best of what we need and on the strategy that is going to help us on that day. You never execute in isolation and you just do it as one unit. And I think that we'll building the camaraderie and actually playing and losing or winning as a team, I think is a big, big one. It's highly competitive than most things out there. But yet the tendency often, I mean, leaving aside side cases, it's really about fair play is the norm. So you really are very open to be out there. You're competing in the open. The performance is up for everyone to look at. There are no performance reviews in a closed room. It's all out there. And everyone is okay with that. And we learn and grow. Look at the next game together. I think big, big part of how you operate differently with that mindset. Absolutely, Seema. I hope we can talk about more sporting analogy, perhaps in future podcasts or who knows in other forums. I would certainly look forward to something like that. I would like to go back to one question. It's been plaguing my mind. I basically grew up in my career more on the engineering side of work. I learned a lot by working with some really great product managers. We've had our tough moments while, you know, negotiating with product managers in terms of which features can come when and what is it that customers are looking for vis-a-vis some of the things that my engineers would come back to me and say, you know, the PM just doesn't get this because if we have to make this one change or if we have to build this new feature, here's what it's going to cost us to build it and so on. How have you built bridges with engineering teams? What is it that you would like to share with us in terms of your formulas for collaborating with engineering teams? That's a large place of where we live our lives, right? And um, and this comes up often. I mean, you know, each time, be it a new scrum team, be it new product, new module, anywhere, local, global, any combination. But I think one thing that's been a very key part of how I have operated and I've, I've managed to, you know, have the best collaboration going And this takes time sometimes. At the least, it may take two release cycles because in the first release cycle, when you're working with a new team, you're just trying to learn how people operate. And even in any engineering team or even product team, right? I'm sure every product manager has a style of working. Similarly, everyone, you may have some teams that like more autonomy, some like more collaboration, some like to be like, hey, let's just know exactly how we're going to do this. I'll go back, do my bit, you go do your bit. And there is no right and wrong, right? Uh, But I think really when you're in a product manager's hat, it's your ownership to find out what's the rhythm at which the team operates. How is it that they like to, you know, get on to problems and being able to work with them in a rhythm that makes sense now that seems like too much but it's actually not it's just about you know being a little more empathetic listening a little more and kind of you know getting onto the table uh, in a way that the rest of the team is on the second big thing that I've I've always done with my teams and sometimes it comes through the form of hey we have a problem sometimes it's in the form of something may have gone a little south than you would have liked it or it is just purely how do we make this thing work best together and a big piece in making this uh, is the product manager is wearing a certain hat and he brings a certain insight to the table. Similarly, we have an architect and an engineer and a QA and a documentation and a UX person who have their perspective, which most of us are not going to by default see it. And I think the big way I've been able to see the breakthrough come is when you 
you have that moment of realization saying, hey, look, we're all on one side of the table and the problem is on the other side. I think when you start approaching the problem more than the people more or attacking the problem more than it's seeming like, hey, you're challenging my team or you're challenging me. I think it's a nuance where you're able to, you know, kind of make that shift. And the other thing sometimes where I think product managers can get to be in an overdrive is again, if they come from a technical background or if they come from a certain domain or if they come from a particular familiarity, you may feel you know the answer. And it's the same for the other side of the house. If it's a B2C product, for instance, each of us feels I'm a prospective user and I know exactly how my journey looks like and this is exactly how every customer is going to do it. Uh, I think the best way to approach some of those is with all good intent, we should put all our ideas on the table, but we have people to make the best choices for which decision needs to be made. And I think when we start respecting that as a team where we challenge each other, we can agree as much as we want to, we can disagree as much as we want to, but walk out of the room with the best solution, I think, uh, is where really you're able to have that good tension, but uh, you know, yet uh, not get bogged down with that. I like the way you summarized it saying, nice to have a good tension and not get bogged down with it. Thank you, Seema. I noticed that we're coming to the end of this conversation. As we uh, you know, come to a close, what would you like to leave aspiring product managers or people wanting to take up a career in the area of tech with? It's an interesting way of looking at things, right? I think one looking at careers in tech, it's actually a very wide universe uh, just with that lens, right? Uh, there are multiple things. I think uh, the kind of um, businesses that are coming up, the way technology is actually enabling different possibilities. There are so many new trends. Trends can be driven by cutting edge innovation in the technology space or by the application to a certain industry or the application to a certain type of a business, right? I mean, think of the Ubers and they really created the platform economy that we've seen in the last decade uh, before that we had a lot of technology-driven innovations, which were mostly, you know, impacting the way we communicated. Today, experience is a big thing. Virtual reality is just expanding the whole thing in a different way. I think one is when you look at the role that you want to get into, and I'll perhaps take a stab at a generic one and then get into the product, is uh, there will be trends, there will be things that look cool, and there will be things that you believe are going to create that impact, and they will. Each of them has the potential to do that. But I think, uh, you know, the way I like to look at it is your reason needs to be stronger than the season. Otherwise, it's going to keep fading or it's going to keep changing, and that's not going to be a very happy situation to be in because uh, it can seem daunting, it can seem anxious, uh, it can also seem not so very path that moves forward so really why why do you want to do what you want to do what does it look like what is it and what is it not I think becomes extremely important um, especially if you're picking on a niche role uh, like product management like I said you know I got onto this path when most people I mean if you look at the Indian evolution most companies were in IT services doing extremely well we were driving a lot of large business deals a lot of growth for people in, in that whole thing, but there were still very few product companies. Within product companies, there were very few product people. I remember I used to get asked the question on, you know, what's the difference between a project manager and a product manager for a good amount of time? The common advice that I often got was, uh, hey, you know, this is to do this well, you need you can't do it from India. You need to be in the US or Europe or someplace else. And sometimes the only way to do it is to do it. It's been a long journey for anyone who is looking to get into niche roles. Uh, I think it becomes important to see what's out there. 
because nishrols will come with their own opportunities and their own challenges and they you will certainly in your backpack need to have some extra focus on why are you doing what you're doing there will be some pioneer's pain also and you will need to persevere with that because you will be figuring it out uh, the ecosystem is figuring it out there is no standard way of how the job is done how it interfaces with different entities what does growth look like there is going to be constant comparison and it may just kind of you know pull you down if you don't like figuring it out so much and if you don't like stomaching stomaching it maybe you want to pause and think on the other side if you really like a well laid fast track path uh, in technology then sticking to you know more streamlined path is better uh, but they can tend to be crowded and then it helps to find ways to pick skills that can help you get there faster and far uh, but it's really a choice for uh, for product folks i think for most people who want to get into product management my first advice is first try and learn what really does a product manager do and what it takes to be a good product manager and then you can decide for yourself if that's something that you will enjoy doing for the rest of your or for a good part of your career i think very nicely put together seema i uh, think this is just very sound coming straight from somebody who's as experienced as you are i'm sure a lot of people that are going to listen to this will have a lot to take away from here i want to say thank you so much for giving us this time with you i've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation want to say a big thank you for being part of our show thanks for having me i uh, loved it too took me back to a lot of a uh, lot of interesting times which sometimes you forget on a busy day so thank you for that chitra i uh, loved the conversation and catching up We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com.